So not exactly radio. <laughs> that would make Kevin summer. <laughs> Kevin is summer. And this whole thing that we talked about before the podcast started. Hey, what's up? It's your host, Betty K and... Tony. Just Tony. Tony, just Tony. Couldn't think of anything for Alanis Morissette. <laughs> I, I was about to, and then I hesitated. I was like, I'm going to go. <laughs> you can still do it. Like, you got something in mind? Not a, no. <laughs> okay, fine. Fine. All right. Anyways, we Just a jagged our, little Tony. Just a yeah, jagged yeah, little... Yeah. Oh, that's such a... <laughs> I'm going to start thinking Kevin. of them ahead of time, because Ben does look forward to it. <laughs> I do, because I'm like, just a what, Tony? He's just like, is he going to do the thing? Is he going to do... The- it's the Peter Griffin, you know? And then as soon as you say Tony, just Tony, I'm like, well, that fucking sucked. <laughs> fucking- no, um... <laughs> that was Anyways, we brought, we brought our good buddy... Kevin gets me along with us because it, this is extremely his shit right here. Kevin, it's welcome back to the show. Super extremely my shit. Uh, mm-hmm. Happy belated International Women's Day, and yes, I'm, mm-hmm. I I spared you all from this being a completely one hundred percent my shit thing because this album's gonna or this episode's gonna drop on St. Patrick's Day, and I almost forced y'all oh. to listen to some uh, <laughs> Irish music, and I know that. Uh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> that <been> wow. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Kevin, for doing this, that. This is also the best. <laughs> it is. This is straight up 90s right here. Jesus Christ. Um, so, if you haven't guessed, since we already talked about Alanis Morissette, uh, we are doing the album Jagged Little Pill uh, from Alanis Morissette, dropped in 1995. Tony, do you want to give us a rundown? And Kevin, interrupt whenever you feel possible, because I know you will. Uh, so this was released June 13th, 1995, making this the uh, 25-year anniversary. Oh, uh, shit. Producer Glenn Ballard, uh, third studio album, uh, and then the international debut for uh, Canadian singer Alanis Morissette. Uh, first two were just uh, released in Canada, so not even a U.S. release, and this was a huge departure. Uh, the first ones were more dance pop, um, and then all of a sudden you get alternative rock here. Um, yeah. It was mostly due towards discovering producer Glenn Ballard. Um, they just kind of clicked and started working together. He had an idea for her sound, and from there, this is what was made. Uh, Jagged Little Pill was commercially successful. It topped the chart in 13 countries, 33 million sales worldwide, which meant more set the first Canadian artist to reach Double Diamond, uh, which is pretty good considering Rush yeah. exists. Yeah. So you know, uh, album was hey, nominated. Hey, it's Dion, Okay, wow. Uh, uh, so <laughs> that the lack of so that outfit with her, like the fashion show she did or whatever, <laughs> the Balenciaga, the one where she looks like a Girl Scout. Yes, like girl, like. I thought it was Steven Tyler when I saw that. Wow. Oh, Lord. Um, so, well. just saying. Just so sorry. I thought it was Steven Tyler. Um, album name was nominated for nine My Grammys. My will still go on, damn it. <laughs> album was nominated for nine Grammys in one album of the year. Um, right, cool. She was the youngest at the time uh, to win album of the year. 19 uh, is when she wrote this album. I don't know if she was still oh, 19 shit. when she won the Grammys. I think she probably would have been 20, but... Yeah. Uh, did Eyelash win this year? She did not win. Win album of the year? album of the year. Who won album of the year? That's a great fucking question. Who won album of the year this last time? Uh, you know. Hold on. It's not like we're sitting in front of computer. 
We're, yeah, it was like we're all three sitting in front of computers. I like how this me. is how little we take the Grammys seriously that we do have an album <laughs> pod, uh, podcast, but we don't know any like Grammy shit outside of Willie Mylash won a ton this uh, year. Actually, yes. Willie <laughs> Eilish uh, did win for album of the year. Okay, so she's now the youngest. Yes. Okay. Album is listed at 327 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums. Ben and I still haven't guessed number one. A musical was produced based on the album, and throughout 2020, Morissette will be on a 25th anniversary tour of the album. Maybe. Because who knows? Right. That Rona. That Rona. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Every time someone calls it that, I really struggle to not break out into my Sharona. (laughs) My Corona. (laughs) <laughs> uh so yeah so um and then the singles from the album there was a ton if you go double diamond turns out um of course you ought to know hand in my pocket ironic but also you learn head over feet and all i would really want and that is uh the skinny kevin do you have anything else before we get into these takes so what turned this album into completely oh christ shit. i made a mistake damn it shit sorry is that no, uh, go ahead. i'm sorry is that it turns out this is like the fulcrum to my musical tastes. I pretty much picked up this album around my senior year of high school. Uh, Tony would probably remember me throwing this on anytime we went to Colectivo uh, by the lakefront to go and grab coffee. That, like, <laughs> this was just the album I yeah. was listening to. And it is reflective of all of the music I listened before it. It really kind of influenced everything i ended up listening after this and it's like just a perfect little microcosm of where i was at that point in time got to it about 12 years late but you know better late than never absolutely and uh i mean this this is kind of like this is our childhood really Mm -hmm. um like just a bunch of these songs like i just remember them being now i I don't want to say overplayed because i actually enjoyed them but they were just always on the radio. Okay, let's get it going. Start with the takes. All I really want, opening up this album. Um, I just love how quintessentially 90s this track is. It, like, this... Every this sound is, on it is, like, peak 90s. Yeah, with the clean uh, effects, the distorted effects, just especially just the effects that they really incorporated in 90s like rock music is just iconic for that era the guitar the uh like kind of phaser effect going on with like one of the pedals uh, and then your clean guitar being like this like boxy kind of I don't want to say hollow thing but like it I it's it's so perfect and it's nostalgia bait uh, it's also a great uh, uh, mission statement for the album. Uh, yes. Pretty much every theme that goes on that she addresses uh, gets established in this first song here. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's. Uh, I, I like how albums work that way when someone can just like give you a summary based on either the first song or the last song of the album. It's really cool how it's done that way. And then uh, you go on to songs. Here we go. The big one. The head hot show. You ought to know. It's Uncle Joey's song, allegedly. <clears throat> um, allegedly, pretty much confirmed by Alanis. Like, well, no, she didn't say. Like, she kept her mouth shut about it. She's very much alluded to 
and later uh, uh, interviews here. That uh, well, first she... of all, <laughs> first of all, it's just like you know, Uncle Joey's got to cut it out. Cut oh, it out. I had to. I had to say it. It had to be said. But she, but I, like, I thought she so, kind of kept quiet about it, and I thought that Uncle yes. Joey was like, he, he like, Uncle Joey like alluded to it, but then he kind of took it back. He like reined it back in. It's like mm, maybe it's about me. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's uh, kind of the uh, uh, magic man of '90s alternative, where yeah. we don't know, but we kind of know. Right. Uh, and it's not like in later interviews she hasn't like completely denied it. But for me, th- this song is uh, the ringer. Recently, as I've kind of learned, has become our version of Rolling Stone magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely Millennials Rolling Stone. But they recently put out a uh, tier list of the uh, angry women songs, and this was your number one song on that list oh absolutely uh, oh yeah like I don't know that there was ever an argument for any other track to no, be for sure. one. I, I, I think what I really enjoy about this song is that you could really feel the rage uh, building at the beginning of the song because Atlantis like sings like she's holding back her anger and then it's just like waiting for you to be waiting for her to say like but Here's the thing, that kind of thing, and then like when it goes into the chorus, and like, and I'm here and to remind you. It's one of those moments on the album that you just turn up the radio. Like, it, absolutely. It, it, like, there's not been a time that I haven't cranked this, listening to it in the car, at home, just wherever. Like, the minute it hits the chorus, it's like, yeah, we're going up about five notches on. Fun fact, so Spotify actually has a, what they call, hold on, let me just look it up so I got the name right, I believe it's, Okay. oh now Spotify is being fucking slow for me, what the fuck oh, are you no. doing? Uh, it is a landmark edition of Jaggy Little Pill, and it's basically just a half hour podcast of uh, Alanis Morissette and Glenn Ballard going through uh, their thoughts on... Oh different tracks on the album, uh, the writing process, a few different influences and whatnot. And fun fact about this is that this is the first take vocal. Like, after after recording this one, uh, and like on a couple of different tracks on this album, they kept trying to uh, recapture whatever they did on the first take. Just never quite got there. Uh, they were always like, like, we need to make it sound like the first one. And then they just ended up like, well, maybe just go with the first version of this. And that's the version you hear on the album here. I think that is fucking awesome. Because, I mean, you can hear every sort of emotion that Alanis has in this song. Man, she really hates Uncle Joey. <laughs> I don't really... And, you know, it's... A, tier one karaoke song like I've never seen anyone perform it at a bar and just not absolutely crush it and it's one of those things where it's like okay who hurt you who do we need to go beat up it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but even if another, you've uh, another... not like had that kind of breakup like just 
shouting along to the song is is so yeah. cathartic. Like it's not even like you don't even need to be relationship focused if you're just having a bad time with mm-hmm. anything. Like just mm-hmm. screaming along to this chorus is fucking perfect. Absolutely. And and actually um I didn't know this but Flea and Dave Navarro were on this track as well. He's uh they're on a whole bunch of the tracks apparently. Oh really? Yes. Okay. Uh um, I? I know yeah, that they appear in the music video for this one where uh they don't actually show up for the rest of anything. Uh and then Taylor Hawkins uh Foo Fighters fame was supposed to be yep, yep. uh the drummer recording on the album but was tied up with something, and then he just turned into Alanis's touring drummer uh, for the time. Well, God damn it! Can you imagine how this album would? I don't know how differently it would sound, but if you imagine having Taylor Hawkins on this fucking, oh, it would be just so much more bombastic. It would be fantastic, yeah, for sure. Love it. Um, my one of my favorite renditions of this is uh, Kevin Malone of Office fame. Oh yeah, <laughs> sings it in an episode and he gets really into the you 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 where he like basically breaks down everybody like gives them big high fives because he just got so into it. Oh for sure, and that's um, how it is. Like that kind of brings up what Kevin said, like how you're singing the karaoke, you're gonna fucking nail it, even if you're then, someone like Kevin Malone. And then uh, wait, Kevin's a musician though. That's the oh, one yeah. thing he's good at, because he's a drummer and I a singer. He's a drummer. Um, but uh, I also Whoops. I want to now try and you know because Jess has it on when she that's her go to night night show on because she has to have the TV on when people go to bed. Uh, okay. she's weird like that, but uh, that's fine. It tends to be Office, and uh, this week I caught another time where he talks about he wants to be wine dined in 69 hello hugo uh, <laughs> hello hugo <laughs> but, uh, kevin wants to be wine dined in 69 which is also on this album so now i'm like did they just write oh, in little hints that he's a huge alanis because <laughs> they would do that you know because yeah, again sure. that's why it's such a good show is because it just has it inserts so many small jokes in there too 100 percent. so now i want to see if there's another alanis morissette reference with kevin uh you keep saying you keep saying oh alanis is it alanis or is it alanis it's It's the same thing (laughs) (laughs) no it's not tony god damn it specifically in that wine died in 69 song she specifically (laughs) says you said my name wrong that's not (laughs) uh songs about me how about it but uh, maybe uh, this well, whole uh, podcast is about Alanis Morissette. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's too. She, uh, she's much older than me. But uh, uh, another TV reference: uh, <laughs> the entire character arc uh, of Robin Sparkles and How I Met Your Mother is uh, based off of Alanis Morissette's career. Uh, really, with the exception cool. of uh, the fact that <laughs> her turn to alternative music flops. So I have to wonder, does Alanis Morissette not exist in the How I Met Your Mother universe? Oh. <laughs> she is Alanis Morissette. It's oh, like, my God. Uh, Robin is, like, the version of Alanis Morissette if she never put out Jay Little Pill. Like, if that was just, like, a complete <laughs> total bust and uh, what they do instead of it being Uncle Joey for the uh, Revenge Angry song, uh, it's uh, Paul Schaefer from Late Night. That apparently it's a yeah, right. That's the name wow. of the piano guy from David yeah, Letterman's. Right, thing. I think so. Isn't that 
Yeah, it is Paul I think Schrader, so. I think. Uh, but that's who it's supposedly about that they were like in a relationship. But also, again, like he would have been twenty years older than a teenage uh, Robin yeah. Sparkles. And again, kind of alluding to how old was Uncle Joey when they would have been potentially dating? Oh yeah, I guess. Wow, that's weird to think about. Well, There's a lot of people on this album that should be in jail now for doing whatever they did yeah. in the last right? set. Yeah, we're coming Holy up shit. to other, yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on to something else that sucks. <laughs> let's move on to something else that sucks. Uh, the song Perfect. I think that song sucks. But it might be a good on its own, but the placement of the album is just terrible for me. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's kind of, you get all those emotions from You Ought to Know, and then you give me a song about parents living through their child. Like, that makes me more mad. But maybe, maybe that's the point. Because it's like this song is about this this parent, like, trying to get their child to, to like, be what they wanted to be. But then it kind of affects the child negatively, which makes it more mad. But the music is so nice. So stupid. God damn it. So I agree that the track listing is off. Uh, fun fact about why it is where it is is that... So they picked All I Really Want because it's the mission statement. And then the next three songs are the first three songs that they recorded as like demos to go and pitch the album to record companies. So You Ought to Know, Perfect, and Hand in My Pocket were the first three songs written for this album. So that's just how they ended up leaving it. Mm. I agree that Perfect is... It, it tones down way too much compared to You Ought to Know. What song I move? What song I move? Uh, in its place? Not exactly sure. Uh, some people would probably put ironic into the third slot. I'd kind of feel better if right through you moved into the third spot. But it, I think the song is great. But it does it does feel just off where it is sitting in the album. Okay, yeah. Fair, fair. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess that's uh, that's it. I'm just still filled with rage because I still hate this song. But, yes, no, absolutely, you made perfect points for that. Oh, God, I said perfect. Oh, no, it's the song title. Anyways, <laughs> um, let's move on to let's move on to the next song. Hand in My Pocket. This is like... Uh, I, I love all of Alanis' singles. And mm-hmm. in my head, when I heard this song, I was like, oh, this one's probably my favorite track. It's probably, it's got to be my favorite track. And then I think about You Ought to Know, You Learn, Ironic, Uninvited, Head Over Feet, All I Really Want. And all, I just can't make a decision about that. And I'll be honest, I am a little bit of a, a fan of Uninvited, like, more than all of them. But it's, that's okay, I still like them all. Uh, but then also, this makes me think about how talented Alanis is in general. And I'm wondering if she's like one of the most talented artists from the 90s, because besides having that unique voice, uh, she can play one mean harmonica, which you can definitely hear really well here. Uh, So, back to our fun facts learned from the landmark thing. Uh, Hand in My Pocket is another one of the uh, first take tracks, and in fact, everything on it is first take. So, the drums you're hearing on this is actually just a drum machine that she was singing along to. Uh, The harmonica you're hearing is actually on the vocal track. She just took the harmonica into uh, do the vocals with and just played on her vocal track. 
And it was another one of the things where they were just like, we needed to sound like the demo. We needed to sound more like the demo. And none of the yeah. versions that they ended up re-recording like got to the point where they were like, let's just fucking use the demo for the album. And that's the version. Like, this is the song they were bringing into uh, mm-hmm. record studios for pitching the album. <laughs> oh, sorry. We have to take a we have to take a Hugo break quick. <laughs> Hugo decided to pop his face in front of the camera quick, and it was really cute. And no, he, he wants a WAOK. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm doing next. But okay, what we are doing next is going to the next track. Okay, right through you. Bam, Please. Tony, go ahead. Yeah, so I uh, liked this because it reminded me a lot of the other power, you know alternative grunge rock uh like third eye blind yeah. yes you know it, it, it's very much another one of these just quintessential 90s um where it's just very catchy um but it also gives you some elements of uh being hard man but also <laughs> this song's probably about the record executive that preyed on her when she was only 14 that's fucked up uh, it's about Every record executive that she was meeting with, like, in her... She says specifically that the album wouldn't have been complete had the song not been on the album. Like, that's how much she put into this track. Oh, yeah, I mean, it matches the same pathos of You Oughta Know. It's the the same... It goes to that... It goes that hard, man. Yes. Oh, yeah. For sure. No, I was going to say, this is probably my favorite non-single on the album. Mm-hmm. And then I actually, I, I, you know, I enjoy Alanis Morissette and all of her work, but I didn't know she was a child star. Yeah. That's my bad. Um, but then, like, just hearing that this song was about, the, like, the relationships she's had, she's had, like, as a 14-year-old, I'm like, that's so, so fucked up. Like, stop. No, come on. Now I'm thinking again about, uh... Anybody listen to that? Go ahead and look up uh, Billie Eilish. <laughs> her brother writes her music with her. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and go see who her brother's dating. <laughs> oh yeah, who is it? Uh, a girl that looks just like her sister. Oh. Wow. Well, like you know, identical. Wow. <laughs> <Ugh>. It's <laughs> so. <laughs> Shit. Uh, next song then, huh? All right, cool. <laughs> um, forgiven. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was such a weak transition. But forgiven. Hey, you uh, do forgive for it. Hey, um, Forgiven, the next song on the album. I, uh, I do have to agree with what Tony is saying in his, his notes here, uh, that it is an awesome ballad on this album. Um and it, it like for for me when I listen to it, I keep getting like hints of like uninvited because like I feel like that song could be renamed or uh, renamed to Unforgiven or something like that. Uh, and no, that's, that's a Metallica song. About this. <laughs> Shut up. Not that. Not that one though. Yeah. I was like, that was a different Metallica song. Just thought about it. Hey, we're doing the Black Album now on too. Alanis Morissette to Metallica. Anyway, it's talking about forgiven. God damn it! Uh, it's as uh, I'm sure we all kind of picked up in the lyrics here. It's that moment of being uh, brought up Christian where you start like questioning things, and it's like, 
wait, why does this thing mean this thing, but when you do it this way, it's now not a thing that you're supposed to do, but if... And you start, like, questioning all the things, and it's, it's very much that uh, I went to college and had uh, a year of philosophy kind of mindset, where, as someone who actually has a philosophy <laughs> degree from college, let me tell you about... Let me tell you about everyone who thinks that they know something for just one year of philosophy. <laughs> uh, but really, it, 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 it is that boiled down to kind of its perfect essence of I'm taking a look at the things that were taught to me growing up and I just kind of took at face value and now finally reflecting on that moment. And that's like this song in a nutshell. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Tony, you got anything more on that? Nope. Uh, <laughs> okay, wow. Very yeah, good. No, not really. I just really like how this one grew. Um, it's a really cool, like, just, again, a lot of pathos, and just uh, how it builds up until the end. It's just no, a, absolutely. It's a really cool just part of the whole thing. That's what it seems like for a lot of her songs in this album. It just seems like uh, a bunch of build-up to something amazing. Except for Perfect. <laughs> Fuck Perfect, okay? Anyways, uh, no. <laughs> but uh, let's get on to You Learn. Uh, so I feel like it's another one of those singles that, you know, I love. It's great. But I also feel like it's... Uh, the main point is you live and you learn. And I feel like she's kind of saying that throughout uh, her entire album. And I feel like this song would have been better as, like, maybe the last song on the album but uh here we are it's still a great song though i mean um no, yeah no, so okay, no, no, no i i, 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 I do i do like it but like i said uh this song is the stand-in for every song that was on a retail stores like so kmart and toys r us this was like Back then, if you could do, like, Spotify radio, they would do Spotify You Learn, and it's just <laughs> song after song that sounds like this. Um, like, just every one-hit wonder, uh, especially woman-led band hey. that had a single. Um, and then, like, The Cure, Friday, I'm <laughs> in Love. love. <laughs> Friday, I'm in Love was always on Fridays at Kmart. And then, God. But, yeah, and then, uh, but, yeah. So, I like... Oh, uh, the Bangles, that song. Which one? Uh, Walk Like an Egyptian? Or are we talking um, about, uh... Oh, they were just they, there, got a, they got a second one. I'm blanking on it right now. And then, uh, Big Yellow Taxi, songs like oh, that. Oh, yeah, that one, yeah, for sure. So, um, you, you Learn just reminds me of all that shit, so I can't even, like... So I'm like, oh, this is a good song, but no. It reminds thought, me of hating my job. <laughs> I thought, like, you were gonna say... I thought you were going to say, like, whenever the song came on, it was just, like, a reminder to people, like, hey, you're making some fucked up decisions being in this store right now. So, I mean, you live and you learn, I guess. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> it could be read, yeah, in that way. Kevin, what you got? Uh, for me, this is a nice little companion song to Hand in My Pocket. It's really yeah, it's really Alanis flexing her uh, self-reflective writing chops that, like, Everything that she's saying in this song uh, are kind of small moments that you would experience in life, and peppered in are like one or two big events. But it, like you know, 
I suggest walking around your apartment naked. Uh, not exactly a huge life moment, but you know, it, it's an experience that you might not initially think of. And it's kind of like back to Hand in My Pocket where her dualisms that she goes back and forth to are just like, not ones that you would think is contrasting uh, feelings that you would have, but at the same time, like, work so perfectly together. And that's how I always felt with this track. Fucking A. Man, I totally agree with that. Um, and then moving on to the next single that we have here, Head Over Feet. Head this here, straight up love can, song. Can I just I love reiterate it. how much I fucking love this album? Because oh, yeah. we're now <laughs> halfway through, and just like every track here is just like 100% my shit. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Except for perfect. And for you, you can... Like I, I like I, I would still move tracks around if I had the choice to reorganize the album. Yeah. But I still enjoy Perfect. But like head over feet here, like we're so deep and we're just still yeah. fucking crushing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like I, like I couldn't, like I can't get over how '90s this makes me feel. Like every time we bring up a single, it just like reminds me of uh, uh, like my childhood. And I'll actually get onto that to our next single when we get to it. But uh, this is such a '90s love song too. Like, it is. It's, it's, it is. Like it's. It's not like this. Like overpouring emotion is kind of that cynical take of like what you would think maybe love is in kind of apathetic way. But also still, I love you for who you are, and you love me for who I am. And it, it's great. I fucking love it. <laughs> and that's the thing. There's still some anger in this one too, because like I still love the chorus where it's like. I couldn't help it. It's all your fault. I'm like, okay, come on. I'm like, man, there's still some anger in this, but but no, it's absolutely perfect. It's a good song. Well, that's like the '90s way of describing being in love, right? Like, it's your fault. <laughs> it's all your I fault. Like you. yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we could go about these singles all day, but before we get to our next big single, we have to talk about Mary Jane, and of course, you know. Everyone thinks about it. <laughs> it's fucking... See, I... The thing is, I heard this song is about a person that Alanis doesn't actually know, but I mean, like, is it too far-fetched to believe that Alanis really likes weed? Yeah. Like, a bunch. Like, yeah. a lot of weed. So, on the Landmark album, she said she wasn't sophisticated enough at the time of writing the song to use weed. Mm. Like, she just... Would, wouldn't use weed. Well, <laughs> to, what? Yeah. To, to smoke it. To you do. Do you do weed? Do the weed. Uh, <laughs> she didn't do the weed yet. No, she. She was uh, not a weed doer. She was too much, as she describes it. She was too much of a workaholic to be kind of any sort of drug user. Uh, she appreciates that some people would take this song and think of marijuana. Like she's chill with it but not at all on her mind when writing this song. Uh, really? <laughs> Do you know what it's actually so about? The, the character Mary Jane's kind of a combination of herself, someone she knows, and someone she doesn't know. Uh, and it's very much about a person who isn't doing enough self-care, that they're overworking and trying to make sure everyone else feels good. Uh, and, then, you know, it kind of reflects in the rest of this album that it's all about relationships, right? Uh, so our character, Mary Jane here, is 
completely focused on making sure others are happy while not doing anything to care about themselves. Like, as the line goes, you used to dance and I haven't seen you dance in a while. Uh, then, and like, I think we all kind of know someone who's like that, that like kind of burns themselves out on everyone else and you just kind of want to go over them and be like, hey, treat yourself. Do right. <laughs> Absolutely. Why are you laughing? <laughs> no, I was just saying, like, I, I feel like the more you describe the song, the more, like, I, what I like about our show is that, for me at least, I can have, like, an epiphany during the show. Where I'm just like, if you see, like, yeah. I, if you see, like, Mary Jane, it ties together with You Learn, which ties together with One Hand in My Pocket. And I'm like, yes. th- these all, like, fit together really well. And, like, the more you explained it, because I just, I me being the dumb guy that I am I'm like yeah this is about weed fuck yeah she totally loves it but like the more you talk about it the more I'm like oh that actually makes more sense than my dumb brain thinking that it's about weed and um no I, I think that's I mean, also I, really it's awesome it's definitely the first song that uses the name Mary Jane that isn't about weed so yeah <laughs> fair fair um but then I also like that she can sprinkle even though like if the tracks like god damn the tracks and how they're, how what order they're in, but like, but if you think about how she could sprinkle them all over the album, because we're close to the end of the album here, and then you have like you learn the middle, and then you have one hand in my pocket earlier. It's just like she's sprinkling like, hey, this shit might suck, but things could get better, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, uh, moving on from Mary Jane, we talk about our big one. I shouldn't say our big one because they're all pretty big. Uh, the last uh, single, I- ironic. Um, I will admit that this song reminds me of my childhood the most. I wouldn't say that my childhood was ironic, but I would say that I did hear this song a lot. A lot. Uh, and I'm not even I'm not even mad about it. Like I, uh, like, but also I mean, isn't it ironic I, I put that this out there. one of the biggest singles is towards the end of the album? Super ironic, right? Super, <laughs> super ironic. It, one would say. Um, also, the ironic lyric about the dude being afraid to fly scares the fuck out of me because he dies in a plane crash. Okay, but also not um, ironic. Like, and, and I love that about the like. <laughs> yeah. that's, uh So the song apparently got kickstarted from uh, Lennon Alanis. We're having lunch one day, and she was just like, "Wouldn't it be ironic if someone was like really old, won the lottery, and then died the next day?" Again, <laughs> not an ironic thing, but and as she says on the uh, landmark album. Uh, like English teachers have been getting on her ass for this song <laughs> since for it's come out. Using ironic, like nothing in this album <laughs> on the song is ironic. Uh, which is ironic <laughs> that nothing on the song is ironic. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, this song what would actually. You, what would you call that then? Uh, what would you call that? Negative then, all these scenarios. All right. Uh, negative correlation. <laughs> That's not a catchy. That's not a catchy tune name, Kevin. <laughs> Isn't it a negative correlation? Don't you think? <laughs> Don't you think? Uh, uh, right, let's go sit down, please. But like, it was kind of a joke song that they were just writing here. Like, this was one that they just kind of threw together to kind of like burn off the energy. And she didn't even want it on the album. But apparently, enough people fought her. It was like, no, you need to put this on the album. It's going to be a hit. Like, the chorus is too fun. Everything about it is just, like, delightful. You need to have it on the album. Yeah, also, another fun fact, Amber won't let me sing the chorus of this song because of 
a day that's coming up in October. It's, it's now see that's the thing no. is that it's actually good luck to have rain on your wedding day. I had is rain. It? Yes. Uh, you did. Oh, you did it, briefly. It wasn't that much. Well, we were all inside and, anyway. And that's how much you want. <laughs> in multiple uh, old traditions, if it rains on your wedding day, it's supposed to mean you're supposed to have a fertile marriage. Oh shit. That's why Tony's getting started. Yeah. yeah that's it. <laughs> Can't wait. Getting super. He's oh. like, as soon, as soon as they start trying, he just has triplets. It's fine. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Super oh. fertile. <laughs> Dios mio. Three cats, a dog, and three babies. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, Dios mio. I'm gonna and no, I will it. not take one of those babies. I'm okay, turn into that bumblebee and guy. Take my wife, Simpson. <laughs> the Simpsons. from the Simpsons. <laughs> ay ay ay! Dios mío. Sure, does he? Does does he say? Maybe that could just be me, like thinking about it wrong. But doesn't he say no es bueno sometimes? No es says? bueno. Ay, and I was like, Dios no way. <laughs> he says a lot uh, of things. I now that Jess is into The Simpsons, it was just funny when she first started seeing that character. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he's just a bumblebee that on the <laughs> Spanish Channel in Springfield. Literally, literally called Bumblebee Man. I love it. Um, uh, one last thing before we leave. Ironic uh, that bridge is trippy and every time I try to sing it it's like I I love it because it just sounds like gibberish and I'm like just the way she sings it too it's like and I'm like yeah that's so fucking that's my shit I love that shit and everything's gonna be alright see I don't want to know the lyrics because I want to keep singing the gibberish okay so get off my back Um, (laughs) but I should Uh, the next song uh, not the doctor not the doctor Um, not the doctor. <laughs> the beginning of the the beginning guitar actually sounds a lot like a bare naked lady song. I, I hear it's that. One hundred percent. I was I gonna say that. like, and I say it probably could be if it was if Alanis wasn't the lead singer. Um, I do like the song a lot because Alanis just wa- wants like in the, what she wants in this song is just freedom. Like she isn't responsible to fill the hole you left in her in yourself. You treat Alanis with respect, goddammit. Well, and I kind of consider this one to be also a partner song with Mary Jane. Like this is her finally taking action on uh, uh, not being that kind of uh, like I'm more epiphanies. Not not going to be caring for you anymore unless you're going to be contributing back to this relationship. Fucking egg. God damn it, Kevin. Thank you for being here. Um, <laughs> like we said at the top of the show, this is extremely my shit. Extremely your shit. And we're getting to the 40 minute mark, Kevin. This is your fault. So anyways. Um, it's okay. <laughs> so the last the last song we have on here is Wake Up. Tony, you want to talk about that one? Uh, so yeah, the minor key uh, is interesting. Um, usually on Jig a Little Pill, it was uh, Morissette's voice that guided the track. But I feel like Wake Up might have been the first one that did the process backwards. Just because of the way that she's harmonizing by the end of the album. It just sounds like something where uh, the track was laid first. Am I right, Kevin? No. Uh, actually, you're not wrong. Uh, it was kind of a uh, dualism thing here. This was one of the last songs that they uh, recorded for the album. Uh and the way Alanis kind of sees it is it's kind of a partner song with uh, All I Really Want that they're both kind of covering the same themes of uh, what they want out of life as uh, 
kind of the mission statement. So it's a nice little bookend for what's going on here. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. All of the lyrics on this album kind of either started off as like journal entries that she was writing or poems that she was working through. So like, even if she hadn't quite gotten down the way she was singing it, there was always a little bit of something that was previously written. Um, but this one was kind of like an all at once kind of situation that she just like, they worked it out really through uh, trial and error in the studio. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, fucking A. Um, yeah, I mean, that was the album, and I know this was extremely Kevin shit, so Kevin, thank you for bringing this album to us. Always happy to. It is a classic album. Always a classic album. Um, and uh, let's get on to the Battle Royal. So what we're going to do, since we know, unless, I'm gonna i got to ask Kevin this question here. Uh, do you feel like any song in this album could beat any of the singles that are in this album? No. <laughs> okay, that's why we're doing a battle royal with the singles only, since there's only five, or well, there's five of them anyway. So what we got here is we have All I Really Want, You Ought to Know, Hand in My Pocket, Ironic, and You Learn... Oh, sorry, what is this? You Learn it Head One, Over two, feet. Three, four. So six. Is that six? That's six songs. Oh, shit! Six I fucked that up. On this. Okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to get it going right away... Kevin's going to be the judge. Tony and I can't say anything because this is extremely Kevin shit. <laughs> we're just going to give him the battle, and he's going to pick the winner for that. So we're going to start out with All I Really Want and Ironic. Uh, ironic is the track to go with here. Uh, it's okay. just super fun. It, again, another karaoke blast. You kind of do have to have a little bit of a vocal range for this one here. It's not like the other uh, singles you'll see, but... Uh, if someone is able to pull it off, it's a blast to watch live. Uh, and also, just, it's it's dumb fun. Like, sometimes you just need that in life. Ironic, since it won there. Ironic, and you learn. Uh, I guess I gotta go with Ironic again. As much as I, Ooh, like, okay. you learn is, is so sweet and what it's trying to tell but ironic just there's a uh, uh, legendary status to it that I don't think ironic <laughs> understandable ironic and head over feet uh, I'm going with head over feet on this one. Oh, uh, really I, I thought I, ironic was going to make I, it this is head over feet probably my second favorite maybe third favorite track We'll find out in the next one, uh, which is probably going to be okay. the right. hardest head-to-head -head here. Hold on, but hold, it, hold on, I hold love on, head hold over on. feet. We'll it's, so, it's so sweet. I love it. Head over feet, hand in my pocket. <sighs> you know, now that I know more of the backstory for hand in my pocket, I think I'd go with hand in my pocket. Just that it was okay, a, right. a first-take success. I think mm -hmm. elevates it overhead. Otherwise, I would if it were if it weren't that. I think I'd go head over feet, but hand in my pocket. I think takes the two. So, so now that we kind of know, hand in my pocket, and the next song that I'm going to say here, I, this is going to be kind of a tough battle. But here we go anyway. Hand in my pocket. You ought to. Know. Uh, you ought to know is the best track on the album. It, it, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we took a long walk to get to a short punchline, and you ought to know would knock out. 
not only every song on this album, I'd stack you out of no up against almost any single that came out came out of the nineties. Like, mm -hmm. tell me that there's like there there are so few songs that accomplish everything you ought to know does, and <laughs> it it's so it's so perfect in its entirety. Like, it's a perfect song, and I know I use perfect a lot on this podcast to describe things, but it's. <laughs> It, it really fucking is. It's so perfect. Hey, you know, that's what you get. So the winner here, downright, you ought to know. Here it is. That's it. The Battle Royal winner. It's uh, you ought to know. Kevin uh, actually told us before the show started. But anyways, that doesn't matter. <laughs> We're going to ignore that part. That doesn't matter. <laughs> but that's what you get. Through all those six singles on six singles on one album has got to be some sort of, like, accomplishment, too. Uh, yeah. Um, have there ever have there ever been has there ever been an album with just like all singles besides like the best of I <laughs> albums? Think American Idiot got close with that, if I'm not mistaken. Oh really? Okay. I'd have to really run through it again, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Tony. <laughs> yeah. Either did five or six, but uh, then again, like, okay. and and then I know for a lot of people, like, if you have so many singles from one album, like people can, might end up getting sick of it i've never heard about that complaint for jagged little pill like I'd oh absolutely yeah um speaking of american idiot i did see a good joke of due to covid concerns we will not be waking up the singer from green day until at least november <laughs> uh, there you go good call good call um all right so did that now we got one last little thing for you hyper specific we got some questions. Let it drop. Hyper-specific. And we're back. All right, Tony, do you have a hyper-specific um, so question? We've been doing this together too long, and I don't. Yes. Write, I didn't write it down for the purpose of you can't peek, but you wrote yours down, and I was going to both ask you guys if you had one hand in your pocket. <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, fuck you. I did it. Ah, that was my question. Well, stole yours. Um, right, so yeah, you guys got to answer what's in your other hand. Uh, I got one hand in my pocket and the other one's checking Twitter. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, I got one hand in my pocket and the other is, uh, oh no. Jacking off. That's what you want to <laughs> no, say. I'm not going to, no, I don't want to say, say that. that. That was I don't want to say that. That was the pause just, of fuck. I want to say jacking off. I'll do, no, no, I'll do that with my hand. It's in my pocket. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, no, the other one is... Oh, pocket pool. I'm probably, I'm probably just giving the middle finger, honestly. <laughs> no, see, that I like about right. better for that one. You know? I know, but like, it, I'm not a Lannis Morris set. She already did it. Yeah, I can't do what she did. Tony, what are you doing with the other hand? Um... Petting Hugo. Aww. Aww. Oh, you know what? I should have brought the guinea pigs yeah, into I knew, this. God I was, damn it. I was waiting for it. I should have. Um, God damn it. I even thought about it. Kevin, you got a right, hyper So on You Learn, the title of the album, Jagged Little Pill, is used as a metaphor for the experience of life. What's your metaphor for life? Don't be a dick. That's, that's not a metaphor. <laughs> that's a metaphor. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Shut up! Don't be a dick. You guys are being real dicks right now. Like I don't understand why you're giving me so much shit about this. I thought about this for a while, so I'm still sticking with the answer that "don't be a dick" is a good goddamn metaphor. It's not a metaphor. I'm stupid. 
Okay, fine. Uh, Tony, you go first. Uh, a burnt grilled cheese with, uh, and the cheese is slightly expired. Aww. <laughs> wow. That's sad. <laughs> Are you grilled okay? Cheese is still good, but it's just slightly expired grilled cheese. Well, I, I mean, uh, I mean, I like my pandemic cheese a little bit, uh, charred, but you know, that's that's personal preference. Yeah, no. Uh, so I don't know. I'm just thinking about grilled cheeses, to be honest. <laughs> I think, I think the metaphor is when you have that good toilet paper after you. <laughs> That's that's a good metaphor for life for me. I like to think of it that way, and I like to be like, ah, you got I'm very that sharp with everything fly. I could do. Exactly, goddamn right. I'm not saying this just because no, there's no more toilet paper left <laughs> in the world, but I'm just saying, I'm saying it because like when you, when you have things about you that you feel is unattractive, like taking a shit, and you fight, you get the comfortable, you get so comfortable with yourself that you can use that two ply Charmin to clean up that shit so you know you actually have like a good piece of life right there with that charmin anyways uh, that was a bunch of bullshit that came out of my mouth yeah all right <laughs> kevin you go next wow uh metaphor for life is it's a killer house party that the cops keep seeing to bust ah, ah, ah that's it yeah very that's much. fair that's nice that's, that's very that's nice a good one all right um well i'll say my other one that didn't get stolen uh <laughs> So, do you really think she wishes those two well and you ought to know? Because I have my doubts. No. Yeah, that was a funny uh, Twitter joke I retweeted this week to actually yes. try and remember. And it's just <laughs> like, yeah, just because how it starts is like, I'm happy for you. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, great. Okay. Yeah, thanks. All right. Yeah, I'm glad that we could be adults. And then big and take a breath. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Because it's just like, at first, it's like, oh, okay, no, good. No hard feelings. It's great. Yeah. It's so good. I love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's like, boy. That's a, here it is. Here's what's going down. It's that. It's the boy song. Of, it boy. is. <laughs> here it is right here. What happened to Kevin? Uh, it's a pause in the show because Kevin decided to leave. Yeah, he's just gone. Bye, yeah. Kevin. Kevin, you have to answer the question. It's hyper specific. Yeah, it's a hyper specific Kevin, question. Kevin was thinking about that Charmin so much he had to go take a dump. Emergency. Dump. Sorry, he had to go sign oh, for there a package. It is. Got that okay, Rona. I thought it was. I Got thought that it was Rona. Just like, I thought it was just like right. man oh. thinking about that Charmin <laughs> double double ply. I got to go take that dump now. Got that Rona now. Anyways, Kevin is back. Kevin, answer the question. Do you really think she really wishes those two well? No, not even a little bit. No, that's that is that is classic uh, Minnesota nice of being passive aggressive. <laughs> I know she's from Canada, but what is Minnesota? But just stateside Canada. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, all right, Kevin, give us your last uh, one. Though. Last year, Atlantis helped turn the album into a Broadway production. What album would you like to see on the big stage? Tony, you can go first. What album? Yeah. Uh, maybe American Idiot. That already got turned into a Broadway <laughs> show. It did. Uh, what would make a? Well, actually, honestly, Igor would be a good play. Igor would be a great <laughs> stage show. Um, for me, I'm gonna go with Against Me, Searching for a Form of Clarity. I think oh, that would, that would be, be a pretty, pretty good. good. 
Yeah, I'm pretty good. I I think almost almost any one of the against me's albums would probably pre- be a pretty good show for me at least. That's it. Unless yeah, I'm, I'm unless you guys to, have um, your doubts. I'm trying to think how you would turn as the Eternal Cowboy into a uh, uh, cohesive narrative, but <laughs> so I think like searching for a form of clarity, and yeah. I think New Wave would probably be pretty How good. About as just well. their discography, did he yeah, do that? Thing. Yeah, I say definitely uh, Transistoria Blues would help as well. Oh yeah, well, th- mean, and that one uh, I always heard was supposed to be getting turned into a movie, but uh, must oh, have fallen I, through at some point in time. Wait, what did Transgender Dysphoria Blues? Oh. Apparently, I mean, someone was working on a script somewhere. I mean, honestly, she could have a biography. I mean, her book, her autobiography, was very mm-hmm. good. Um, yeah. Don't know if Ben still has that. I still have it. Cool. <laughs> 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 but I mean, even then, let's let's do Oscar bait in twenty years when we're old, right? Okay. <laughs> Let it be an Oscar bait movie. <laughs> All right, well, that was... Uh, let's tone it. Do you have another hyper-specific? No. Aww. Okay, well, fine. Whatever. We're out of here. <laughs> I did not. All right. So that was the episode. Kevin, thank you again for bringing us Alanis Morissette's Jacob Little Always a pleasure. Yes, always a pleasure. We're going to get you on very good, uh, very soon again. Uh, it's going to be a good time. All right, well, that's not exactly radio. Next week, we'll be having the Red Flags join us uh, in studio. We're going to be talking about Rage What's that? As long as we aren't corona, yes, I will keep that. As long as we uh, don't have mind. that Rona. Um, but if they do come into the studio next week, uh, we will be talking about Rage Against the Machines' first album. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I know, I know. We're going to go about, do that. Um, very excited for them to come in. Uh, they showed me their EP, and it's actually pretty delightful. I really like it. Can't wait to discuss that with them, too. Um, but until then, uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those awesome things. It's me, your host, Benny K, and... Tony just Tony. Tony just Tony. Kevin, thanks again for coming on the show. Peace out. We out of here. Bye bye.